Well, you guys can be seated and start to find your way to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy 18 is where we're going to be at this morning, and uh, if you are new with us for the first time, we've been working our way through, well, about 17 chapters of Deuteronomy so far, and uh, we've been looking at a story. We've been looking at a story that uh, has been going on actually longer than the book of Deuteronomy, but uh, God has chosen a people. God has chosen a special people group and said, you guys are going to be my people, and that means that, that I'm going to take care of you. That means that he's going to provide for them. That means that he's also going to ask them to, to look a little bit different than the rest of the world around them. And so God has been walking through this process with these people, making them a special uh, nation, giving them uh, the opportunity to to become a, a real nation, to have land, and, and to become like all the other nations in their world at that time. And so we're looking at this story of how God has, has brought them right to the edge of the promised land that he was going to give them. And right before they go in and take the land and, and, and begin to live in that land, Moses, their leader, kind of turns around and addresses the people and reminds them about how God has been good to them up to this point, and he's going to continue to take care of them. And in addition to that, they're supposed to look a little bit different. They're supposed to live differently. And so God is giving them very specific, very clear commands of, my people will live different than the world, and, and, and this is how you do it. And so we've seen some really specific laws and some specific commandments of how they're supposed to worship and how they're supposed to bring their sacrifices and how they're supposed to handle different things that come up in life. And while some of those things may not apply to us today, we don't have sacrifices set up at church for, for you to bring your goat or your lamb or your ox and for us to sacrifice. We do see principles in these things. We do get to see a little bit about who God is and, and why it's important for us to interact with Him in a certain way. And so while we may not read verses and go, oh, well, that's how we're going to sacrifice our ox today, we do see that's how God wants His people to behave. And and the same things that were important for how God's people were supposed to behave in the Old Testament thousands of years ago, many of those things, most of those things, all of those principles are important for us to understand and, and hold to as well. So, what we're looking at last week and this week is a little section in Deuteronomy that talks about leadership, talks about how God has given certain leaders to lead His people. And so last week we looked at judges and we looked at kings, and this week we're going to look at priests and prophets. We're going to look at priests and prophets that were given for the protection of the people of Israel. And so as we look at this, I think it's important for us to just kind of acknowledge and admit, let's be honest with each other this morning, we need all the help we can get, right? Maybe that's just me. I need all the help I can get. When it comes to walking the way that God has told me to walk, living the way that God has told me to live, there's some things in there that are difficult sometimes. I, I'm a selfish person sometimes, and so I want to do things that, that look out for me and not necessarily for other people like God has told me to. There's things that, that if I just go about life naturally doing what I want to do, I come up short of what God expects from me so often. So what we have here in this passage is God being really gracious to his people and giving us some influences, giving us some people that can step in and can play a role in our lives and help us to live the way that God wants us to live. Today we ultimately have 
the Scriptures as our guide in these things. But God also uses people. God also uses people in the same way that He uses people in our passage today. God sets apart His representatives to speak to us. Deuteronomy 18 talks about three different kinds of people that God gives, that that exist, that have the power to influence people. So we see that there are priests that God gives, that there are prophets that God gives, but that there are also false prophets that exist in the world that we have to be careful of, that we're warned about. And it's easy for us to make mistakes in each of these relationships. It's possible for us to not care for and value and Uh, look out for the people that God has given us that are called to speak into our lives and lead us. It's also possible for us to fail to recognize those who are God's representatives. We can get get confused and things can get blurry sometimes about when, when we have all these different sources of information that are available to us today. There's so many different places that we can receive advice. There's so many different people that are all willing to give their opinions, right? You, you turn on the radio for like three seconds and you're going to hear about a dozen opinions, it seems like. You turn on the TV and it seems even worse. There's panels, piles of people that are all telling you what you should think. So how do we sort through which ones of those we should believe and which ones of those we should set aside as untrue? It's also possible for us to, to be misled by people and we have to be careful. So the Bible gives us lots of instructions about how we should deal with leaders, about how we should follow and and choose who we are going to follow. And so this passage that we're going to look at today presents a few of those instructions. So let's look first at the first eight verses. Deuteronomy 18, verses 1 through 8. What we're going to see here is God's portion for the priests that he calls the people to give. So these first eight verses are devoted to the welfare of the priests, of the Levites, of the people that God has called to serve his people. It's not called to the duty of the priests, but it's actually, it's talking about the responsibility that the people have, that the people of Israel have to take care of who it is that God has put in leadership over them. Let's look at these first eight verses, starting in verse 1. It says, The Levitical priests, the whole tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's offerings by fire in his portion. They shall have no inheritance among their countrymen. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. Now this sheep shall be the priest's due from the people. From those who offer a sacrifice, either an ox or a sheep, of which they shall give to the priest the shoulder and two cheeks and the stomach. You shall give him the first fruits of your grain, your new wine and your oil, and the first shearing of your sheep. For the Lord your God has chosen him and his sons from all of your tribes to stand and serve in the name of the Lord forever. Now if a Levite comes from any of your towns throughout Israel where he resides, And comes whenever he desires to the place that the Lord chooses. Then he shall serve in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites who stand there before the Lord. They shall eat equal portions except what they receive from the sale of their father's estates. As I read through the passage and and started studying, getting ready to share this week, I thought, oh, this is going to be good. We're going to have a really short one because all I've got to do is read to verse 3. And those are the verses that it, it says that people were supposed to bring steak and rack of lamb to the priests. So I was just going to let you guys go grocery shopping, and and we were going to have a cookout today. But uh, you don't have to bring steak. But what we do see here is is some distinction between the priests of Israel and the Levites. Now, I think it's important for us, because we're not real familiar with these groups of people, to realize that all of the priests were from the tribe of Levi. They were a family. They were a group of the people 
all of the priests were from that tribe, but not necessarily all of the people in that tribe. They weren't all priests. So it would be like us saying that the elders of the Rock Community Church are a part of the family, are part of the Rock family, but not everyone who is a part of the Rock family is an elder of the Rock Community Church. So I think the easiest application for us, an acceptable application for us today, would be to apply this passage by seeing the ordained pastors and elders as the priests that it talks about here. And then for us to see all of the other church workers, whether they be administrators, whether they be directors of different ministries, whether they be uh, parachurch workers that work in organizations outside of the church, our missionaries, as being equivalent to the Levites. It's important for us to see, as we see here, that those people are not looked out for, if those people are not taken care of, if we don't pause and, and, and acknowledge how God has been good in our lives and act towards God the way that he tells us to, to give in the way that God tells us to, to be thankful and to live with appreciation of these people like God tells us to, we're not giving God his due, but we're also uh, in a dangerous place of, of slighting God's workers. It's true that the New Testament doesn't give the same clear guidelines that the Old Testament does. The Old Testament's very clear. You bring this ox for this sacrifice. You bring this lamb for this sacrifice. You bring this amount of grain for this. They, they had very clear like orders and instructions on how they were supposed to give and how they were supposed to serve the Lord. We don't have those things necessarily in the New Testament. But what we do have are principles. What we do have are things that God says, my people should live in this way. My people should act in certain ways. And so while they're not specific instructions, we do have commands with things like we should take care of our leaders. We should live in appreciation and, and, and heap praise on the people that deserve it whenever we can. So as we looked at this and as I was thinking about this and praying, God, what in the world do you want me to do with this passage that talks about uh, giving the, the priests and the Levites their stomach and... Uh, cheeks and all of the things that it talks about here. The thing that came to mind for me as I was praying was for us to just pause for a minute and acknowledge that God has blessed our church with some incredible leaders. That God has blessed our church with uh, servants, many of you sitting in here, who give of yourselves with no appreciation most weeks, with no acknowledgement many weeks that you may be working in the nursery changing uh, my kids' diapers. You may be uh, going across the hall here and, and preparing breakfast on Sunday mornings, and we are so thankful for each and every one of these servants. If I was to try to stand here and name all of the things that people do in our church, we would run out of time really quickly. But we have an incredible number of servants that, that work in our church. We also have an incredible team of staff that comes, that gives of themselves for hours and hours and hours every week. That They come here, that this is their job to make sure that church happens, that you have the opportunity to, to sit in a place like this and uh, have uh, ministries for your kids and hear uh, incredible worship that leads us to sing about the greatness of our God, that people come and take care of making sure that things happen here. And we also have an elder team that, that I want to just brag on for about uh, 30 seconds if I can. I work here. Part of my responsibilities is being an elder of the church. But we also have three men who work other jobs, who have other things going on in life, who have a full life outside of church. 
who God has called to lead and to play a role in making sure that this church is being what God has called it to be. They pray for this church regularly. They pray for you regularly. They seek God's direction on how should we live and how should we minister and how should we do things at the rock to make sure that God receives the most glory that that we can possibly muster as a church. And they also very practically give of a lot of their extra time. They go work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week at their real job. And then they also spend 5 to 10 hours a week here uh, meeting and, and talking about how we can serve the church and how we can lead the church and how God wants the church to, to behave or, or what we should be doing. They give and give and give of themselves. Every Tuesday night since I've been here, with the exception of Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, I think were the two days, right around the holidays, every single Tuesday night, our elders meet and, and pray for you and meet and talk about how uh, our church should uh, be led and, and where we are supposed to be going and, and, and how do we deal with this and how do we deal with that. And love your elders. Whenever you see one of them, give them a big hug and tell them thank you for all that you do. They don't do it for those hugs of appreciation, but I promise you, I'm sure it would be, uh, it'd be nice to receive for them. And so uh, God has given us priests. God has given us uh, leaders, just like the nation of Israel had leaders that God put into people's lives that he said, look out for your leaders. Take care of the people who take care of you. Guys, all of us have that responsibility. And that's not, that's not me saying, you do this. I have that responsibility as well. I have people who lead in my life, that, that, that speak into my life, that, that I look to for advice and for guidance and, and, and direction in things. We should all be thankful for the people that God has put in our lives and, and the people that God has given us that are able to, to steer us in the direction that God wants us to go. Someone uh, once commented to David Livingston. David Livingston was a, uh, he was a missionary that was living in Europe, and he uh, felt called to go to China, and, and China, the Far East area, was kind of closed to him at that time, and so he ended up going to Africa and serving and giving his life as a missionary in Africa in the 1800s. And someone once commented to him about the sacrifices that he had made because of his work to God, and he's reported to have replied, sacrifice? The only sacrifice is to live outside of the will of God. I see that attitude so much in all of our servants, all of our leaders, the people that we have in our church and the people that are just perhaps in your life as a, a boss or a coworker or a mentor or a coach or a teacher or a parent, someone that God has put in your life that's able to come alongside of you and encourage you and give of themselves for you so that you might be able to, to love the Lord a little bit better, so that we might obey God a little bit better. Let's be thankful. Let's pause and slow down and acknowledge the way that God has truly blessed us with these people. And let's look for ways that we can bless those people and, and, and encourage them in their work. So that's what we see first. We see first God's portion for the priests that was commanded in Deuteronomy 18. The second thing that we're going to see, and there's two different sections that talk about this, we're going to see God's protection for his people from paganism. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 14, and then we're going to look again at, at 20 through 22. The first section, we see God protecting his people from worshiping false gods. So let's look at verses 9 through 14 together. It says, When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. 
There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord, and because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. But you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For those nations which you shall dispossess, they listen to those who practice witchcraft and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. Here in these verses, Moses goes back to a theme that he's already kind of addressed and tackled in the book of Deuteronomy. It's one that popped up several different times in the Old Testament. It seems like if you read the Old Testament for any amount of time, you're going to see God warning his people, don't follow after the same religious practices that everyone else in the world around you is following. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, Moses talked about the need for the Israelites to destroy the places that were used for worship of other gods. And so here what he's addressing, it primarily speaks to practices that the Israelites would be tempted to try out in order to receive some sort of special wisdom, some supernatural guidance. People throughout history have been looking for the way to kind of unlock the secrets to the, to the world, to unlock the secrets to life. And what we see here in verses 10 through 12 is a comprehensive list of things that God says, my people should not do this. My people should realize this is dangerous. Guys, don't do this. Don't live in this way. Don't go to these people. Moses says in verse 10, there shall not be found among you anyone who, and then it mentions several different acts. So what we see, the first thing, it says there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. I want to take just a moment and look at each one of these and kind of help explain a little bit of what it's talking about because I think we read some of these things about interpreting omens and, and, and mediums and witchcraft and, well, that doesn't happen today. But let's look at what do those things actually mean. So the first one, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. This was referring to a child that was given as an offering to a God. It was child sacrifice in order to gain a victory or some specific guidance. It was an evil practice that was happening in uh, false worship in other countries, other places around the world that the Israelites would be tempted by. Next it mentions, there shall not be found among you anyone who uses divination, or one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens. These next three, they have to do with uh, the first one, with the use of different methods to seek divine wisdom. That's anyone who uses divination. There are some who would uh, use things to predict the future, as it says, practices witchcraft. There were some, it says, to give an explanation of why certain events are taking place. That explanation of why certain events are taking place, that's what it's talking about when it says interpreting omens. The next thing it talks about is it says, there shall not be found among you anyone who is a sorcerer or one who casts a spell. These are two methods that have to do with the use of magic with the intention of influencing events or people by the use of supernatural methods. People can use these methods to help other people or more often than not, uh, those methods were used to harm others. And finally, the last thing that it says, it shall not be found among you a medium or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. These last three have to do with communicating with others in order to bring a message. So a medium, as it talks about, was a person who communicates information from non-physical beings, such as spirits, demons, or false deities. The next one is a spiritist, or some translations will say a necromancer. 
which is someone who communicates with the dead in order to get guidance or some other help. And finally, it mentions the one who inquires of the dead. So I think we look at this list and we go, wow, there were some, some pretty crazy practices that were happening a few thousand years ago in ancient Israel. Around this time, they were kind of a mess, weren't they? We look at those, we go, oh, there's, none of those things exist today, though. We don't, we don't do those things today. But people do. But those things do exist around us today. And, and anyone who would question that, I'd, I'd encourage you to go across the street to a store and pick up a newspaper or pick up a magazine. Because if you pick up a popular newspaper or magazine, you're going to find a section devoted to astrology in many of them. We see psychic counselors becoming more and more popular, whether it's uh, little shops that are opening up or whether they're telephone lines that you can call into. These things are growing in popularity all over the place. The most famous biblical example of one of these things is when King Saul was in a desperate situation. And King Saul, in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, he, uh, he needed wisdom, he needed advice, he needed guidance. And so instead of turning to God's leaders and, and, and turning to the priest and seeking wisdom in the way that he should have, you know what he did? He turned to a fortune teller. He turned to a fortune teller in Endor. And no, uh, some of you guys, that's not the planet on Star Wars. Uh, it's a town that existed in the Old Testament. Lucas stole it from Jesus. <laughs> but after this stern warning that we see in these passages in, in Deuteronomy 18, Moses says here in verse 13, he says, You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. That word that's translated blameless, it refers to a life that is totally devoted to God, totally given to God in everything that's going on in our life without anything coming in between the individual and God. We should be blameless. And the moment that we begin to compromise, the moment that we begin to start to, to look around and look to other places for knowledge, other places for information, whether it's magazines or whether it's daytime talk shows or whether it's uh, some counselor that you want to go to and, and, and get advice on how do I deal with this and how do I deal with that. Anywhere that we look that turns us away from God and tells us how we should live our life that's not in alignment with, with God and with his word, that's separating our affections. That's separating our, our allegiance. And it's, it's living in a way that, that we can't be described as blameless anymore. If we live, if we dishonor God and our relationship with God with a half-hearted commitment to maybe sometimes I'll, I'll care what God has to say and maybe sometimes I'll just go see what Oprah's got to say or Dr. Phil has to say or or, or, or some TV show that I like watching, or some radio show that I like listening to, or some magazine, and what does this horoscope have to say for me today? If we live our life in a way that we look here sometimes and hear others, guys, we're not living the way that God wants us to. So we have to be careful not to follow after these false gods and, and, and look to wrong sources of information. We also have to be careful of following a false prophet. Let's look at verses 20 through 22. Skip ahead a little bit in our passage. It says in verse 20, But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, How will we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? 
When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if that thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and you shall not be afraid of him. What we see here in these verses, we, we see what is commonly described as a false prophet. One who presumes to speak the word in God's name that God has not actually commanded him to speak. Sixteen different places in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it talks about uh, warning us about this kind of false prophet, indicating that this isn't something that just popped up once or, or popped up a couple of times and so God had to deal with it. This is a recurring thing that exists all throughout the time when Scripture was being written. And, and let's be honest, it exists today as well. There's people who stand out there and, and will broadcast on TV, will broadcast on the radio, will stand on stages like this one, and will declare things. This is what God has for you. Believe what God has told you. But it's not actually from God. It's from that person. But they're, they're putting a stamp of, you better listen because God told you this. And what they're doing is they're lying and, and giving weight to what they have to say when it's not actually something that has the weight from God. It's just, it's just their opinion. Prophets are different from preachers in the fact that they give direct messages from God. We see this in Scripture uh, by the formula. It says, thus says the Lord. We see that over 400 different times. A prophet will say, thus says the Lord. This is what God has for you, so you better listen. We also see the, the phrase, the word of the Lord came to Pastor Drew, and this is what it said. The word of the Lord came to so-and-so, and, and this is what it said. We see that about 100 times. But today, what do we do with that? Does God still speak in that same way? How do we know what God has to say? Well, I'm going to give you a little hint. You're sitting with it in your lap right now. We don't have to wonder about what God has to say because when the ancient Israelites were uh, trying to figure out what God had for them, they only had this much of the Bible. We got the rest of it now too. So being a little bit further down the line of history... We have the privilege of sitting here with God's words, God's sufficient, completely perfect. There are no mistakes. There are no errors. There are no contradictions. This is absolutely true. This is a special book. This is more than just a book. It's the living words of, of the living God. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that we have scriptures that are powerful, that are meaningful, that that are straight from God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says that all Scripture is inspired by God. Some translations say breathed out by God. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. You know what that tells us? It tells us we have everything that we need in life right here in these pages. We don't have to look to a daytime talk show. We don't have to look to a fortune teller. We don't have to look to uh, what some magazine has to say about how we should live or how we should handle our relationships or how we should do something. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness in his word. But, but, people like hearing Exotic messages sometimes, don't they? People like hearing things. We, we like being on the inside. 
We like feeling like we've got some secret that everybody else doesn't know about. And so sometimes we'll hear things and we'll go, oh, I bet you everybody else hasn't heard that. I have secret knowledge. I know something you don't know. And sometimes we hear these messages and we go, I'm going to believe it just because there's, there's something in my gut, there's something in my heart that, that likes what it has to say. Maybe it's a positive thing that, that we go, yeah, I'm going to believe that because that sounds good. Maybe we hear negative prophecy and we go, well, I know when everybody else doesn't know. I know the world's going to end on such and such a date. You guys ever heard that before? There's only about 20 people, I think, that have said, I figured it out, I cracked the code, this is when the world ends. This is when Jesus is coming back. This is, were any of them right? Now, we're, we're still here, right? Earth is still here. Like, every single one of them was wrong. That's false prophecy. That's something that God has no place for among his people. We don't get to just go, well, I guess they were wrong. Well, maybe they'll get it right next time. It says in here, in, in these verses, it talks about the fact that if the, if the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord and the thing does not come about or does not come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously and you shall not be afraid of him. Guys, we have to take seriously the, the influences that we allow to play a role in our lives. We have to take seriously to take every single thought captive that we allow to, to come into our minds. That means that there are things that, that pop up in your own mind, ideas that we have, that we need to say, no, that's not true, and push those things aside. Push those things out of our mind because they don't align with the Word of God. We also have to be careful about the people that we allow to have influence in our lives, whether it be a a preacher or a podcast that you like listening to, if they don't preach the Word of God and only the Word of God, don't listen to them. If there's a TV show that you like looking to for advice, okay, does it point you towards the Word of God or away from it? God has given us everything that we need. We, we don't need the magazine. We don't need the talk show. We don't need someone else to come in and point us towards other sources of wisdom that are wrong. We need people that will come alongside of us like the priests that, that were mentioned at the start of this chapter. That the, like the people that will point us towards the Lord and towards the things that, that He has for us. Every influence, every opportunity that we allow someone to have to speak into our lives, we need to be careful to take those things captive. We need to be careful to, to build walls and to set separation between us and false prophets. And finally, we need to be careful to listen to the people that God has given us. We see the final thing that we're going to look at is God's provision of a prophet. And we see that in verses 15 through 19. So let's go back to those verses that we just skipped over a few minutes ago. Where we see that Israel, the Israelites needed to hear from God. But they couldn't handle the stress of a direct encounter with God. So we see their response here in 15 through 19. It says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, and you shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb at Mount Sinai on the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore or I will die. The Lord said to me, 
they have spoken well. So I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words when he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. The Israelites had what they knew to be the direct words from God. God would come and would speak to them. You remember at Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus, where the, the mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments, God came down and revealed himself and lit the mountain on fire and spoke to his people. And it was a powerful experience, an incredible experience. God spoke directly to his people. They heard the voice of God. And you know what they did? I'll give you the paraphrase in, in my version. They said, that was awesome, but he's going to melt us if we continue to listen to him day after day after day. So Moses, you're the leader. You go talk to him and just come back and tell us what he said. And that was the way that, that they wanted to hear from God because they knew they were unworthy and, and, and couldn't take it to hear from God directly. And so they sent a prophet like Moses to go and to hear from God and to come back and say, guys, this is what the Lord has to say for you. But what they had was, they, they, they had God's words. They knew these were God's words directly from him. Moses, you're the guy. Go hear what God has to say and come back and bring it back to us. They knew what God was saying through his prophet. And then God's command to them in verses 15 and then as it continues in 19, it says, It is to him that you shall listen. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of them. If we apply this to, to our context today, if we apply this for us now, I think it's the, the, the very simple, clear application for us is, do we have God's words like we knew the Israelites did? Yes. Absolutely. The answer is absolutely yes. We have God's words. We know what God wants from his people. We know what God wants from us. I know how I'm supposed to act. It's a big mistake for us to ignore the scriptures or to just set it aside passively. People may not be interested in listening to the Bible, but knowing what the Bible teaches is important. And for us to just stick our fingers in our ears metaphorically and go, I have a Bible, I carry it around in my pocket every day on an app on my phone, but I don't know what it says, so God, you can't hold me responsible for it. That's not how it works. We have access to the direct words of God. And if people like me and like you choose to ignore it, it's a dangerous thing for us to, to, to wander into. It's a dangerous way for us to live life. Be wise for us to listen actively in the sense of knowing what God says based on his word and also living in a way that says, this is true. It doesn't matter what I think and it doesn't matter what culture says. This is true. If the Bible says that Jesus is the only way to salvation, Jesus is the only way to salvation. It doesn't matter what culture says about other religions being different paths to get to the same place. Scripture is clear. Jesus says, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me, in John 14. There is no other way. Jesus is the only way. And we would be wise to, to accept that and to live in that way. If the Bible says that sex was meant to be between a husband and a wife, that a man and a woman were supposed to be married before they wander down that path, that means that we should believe the same thing. And it doesn't matter if cohabitation is popular today 
if it's something that's just become, oh, okay, well, you've got to drive the car before you buy it. That, that's, that's not what the Bible has to say, and we would be wise to believe what the Bible has to say and not make up what we think is best. The Bible says that we should be holy because our Heavenly Father is holy. If the Bible says that we should live differently than the world around us, guys, it's clear. There are false influences that exist out there in the world, but, but if we're honest, there's probably there's false prophet that, that lives inside of us sometimes too. There's, there's my own sinful desires that that lie to me on a daily basis. There's, there's the thoughts that pop into my head that say, it's not that big of a deal. God will forgive me anyways. It, just go do what you want. God wants you to be happy. No! That's not, that's not the way that God tells His people to live. And we have to be careful of, of any influence that we allow to speak into our lives. Any influence that is not in this book, needs to align with this book. God has given us everything that we need. And whether it's a preacher, whether it's a show on the radio, whether it's your own heart, trying to convince yourself that something is okay or not okay. Everything, every thought, every influence, we have to check it against what God has to say. Verse 19, Deuteronomy eight nineteen. it says, Whoever will not listen to my words, that he, the prophet, shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. God says, I'm going to come for him. If you don't listen to what my man has to say, I'll come take care of it. I'll settle the score. It's a threat of judgment, and it's one that we would be wise to take very seriously. God will not play around with, with us just going, eh, we're cool, right? I know what you said, but that wasn't really, I wasn't feeling it. We need to be careful. The situation regarding the people who presented themselves as God's representatives in early Israel, in the early history of Israel, is really not much different than what we have today. Today, too, we have our own versions of people who work in the temple, like the priests did. We have people who proclaim false teaching like the false prophets did. And we have the true proclaimed words of God that we know absolutely are from Him that we must obey. Because our relationship with God is the most important thing in our lives, we have to be careful about who we allow to speak into our lives, who we allow to influence our understanding of who God is. Because there are legitimate prophets, legitimate people who point us towards God that that we have a responsibility to care for. We have a responsibility to stand up for and to protect and to love like our elders here, like our staff here, like our directors and our, our servants that work here faithfully, pointing you towards Scripture and towards the Lord. But we also have illegitimate sources of influence that we have to be, we have to be strong enough. We have to be bold enough to say, that's not what God says and I'm not going to give you an opportunity to influence my beliefs. So how do we do that? How do we do that in the church age, in 2020? How do we, do, how do we discern what is from God versus what is a lie? 
I want to show you a few verses in Acts chapter 17. You can turn there if you'd like, or I'm going to read them for you in just a second. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. It's a small little picture, but it's such a cool picture. I love this group of people that Paul and Silas, the missionaries, go and share the good news of the gospel with. Acts 17, verses 10 and 11 It says, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's That's the story of the Bereans. The people who Paul and Silas went, they went to the church in Berea, they went to the synagogue, and they came in and they started teaching people about who Jesus was. They started sharing the gospel with them. Jesus has, has come. The Messiah has come. Believe in him. What was their response? They heard something. They went, hmm, interesting. Let's go see what the scriptures have to say about it. And they dug in and they read for themselves. And it says that they received it with great eagerness, examining, what the, scripture, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Anytime we hear something, you know how we decide whether it's true or not? Interesting idea. Let me go see what the Bible has to say about it. Interesting thought that's popped into my own mind. Let me go see what the Bible has to say about it. Every idea, every thought, every influence, everything that we allow to have a voice in our lives, we need to measure it. We need to be careful to measure truth. Are you being careful to measure truth versus lies? How do you measure that? Do you look to Scripture? Do you look like the Bereans did to to see whether these things are so, like it says that they did in Acts 17? Every thought, every idea, every leader, every influence, everything that we allow to have a voice in our lives. We need to be careful. Because there are valuable people that that can and should speak into our lives that point us towards God. But there are also false teachers. There are also people out there who would try to distract us, who would try to, to, to take us away from what God wants for us. Let's take time to pause and to be careful and to weigh and to evaluate which ones are we going to follow and which ones do we need to shun. I'm going to invite the worship team to make their way up here after the service is over if anything resonated with you or or you've just got some difficult stuff going on in life and you need prayer our prayer team is going to be up here at the front of the sanctuary they would love to talk with you or more importantly to talk with God with you so I'd invite you to come up and to speak with them as we finish would you pray with me church God we thank you for your word we thank you for the fact that God, that you are enough, that you, have, that you have given us all that we need for life and godliness in your word. God, we pray that, God, that as we go out and as we try to live the, the confusing, perilous road of following you in America in 2020, God, we pray that you would help us to, to be fully devoted to who you want us to be, that we would stand on the truth of your word without apology, that we would believe 
that the things that you have said, thus says the Lord, God, that those are absolutely true and worth following every moment of every day. God, give us priests, give us prophets, give us people who would point us to you and help us to be careful not to follow after false prophets, not to follow after the influences that would deceive us. God, we give our hearts to you and we pray that you would lead us by the power of your word. We love you. Amen.